This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. I'm going to read quite a few verses here, but it's just very important. I feel like that I do so this morning. I want to talk to you about the main ingredient for having the fire of God back in your life. Listen, if it gets in you, it'll be in the church. Sometimes, have you ever looked at a, pro- a, a problem so vast or so big, you think, how can, we, how can that ever happen? Remember, one ember at a time. If it will get in you, it will get in the church. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone and left of the, of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore let me Give a, therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut into pieces and lay on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. I'm going to drop down to verse 30. Those verses in between are just the prophets of Baal acting foolish, trying to get Baal to answer. When they had gotten done, verse 30 picks the story up. Then Elijah said to the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one from each of the tribes of the descendants from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two saves of seed. He arranged the wood and cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. And at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward to pray. And he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that, you're, and that you are turning their backs again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then verse 41, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is a sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Father, I ask you this morning in this place 
God, that you blow the doors off of our theology, our thinking today. And God, that when we leave this place, we're going to have the main ingredient we need to be on fire for you. God, I thank you that you've already, through worship today, God, that you've, every barrier I believe has been broken down. The soil has been prepared for receiving your word. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. I'll take just a few minutes today to talk to you about the main ingredient for having the fire of God in the church. find it very interesting that the first thing that Elijah did was rebuild an altar. The Bible says that the altars had been torn down. And Elijah steps on scene. He doesn't just cry out to the Lord and say, God, I need you to answer. The Bible says that what he did is he first rebuilt the altar. And church, I want to tell you this morning that what we must do in our lives and in the life of our churches is we must again rebuild the altar if we want the fire of God to fall. I I want to talk to you about the altar for just a few minutes this morning. The altar in ancient biblical times was a structure where offerings were made on a daily basis. The Hebrew root word for altar means to slaughter. In the Greek, it means to sacrifice. So it was a place of slaughter and sacrifice. It was a place where the sins of the natural flesh were covered by a supernatural, by the blood of a supernatural God. It was a place where the natural and the supernatural came together. It was a place of encounter. It was a place where normal men would go to encounter a holy God. They couldn't do it without an altar experience. Day after day, the fire on the altar would burn. God had commanded the Israelites in Leviticus that the fire should never go out upon the altar. The altar is a place where we seek forgiveness. The altar is a place where we worship. The altar is a place where we draw up a covenant between us and the Lord. The altar is a place of intercession to the Father. And I want to tell you, if we want God to move in our churches, we've got to reestablish the altar. The altar is a place where God alters us. Let's say that again. The altar is a place where God alters us. When we bow our heads and our knees before a holy God on a regular basis. And I want you to understand that today we have it so easy because we don't have to physically construct an altar as Elijah did or the, the prophets of old. Our altar is anywhere we humble ourselves at the feet of Jesus. When Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice on Calvary. So in other words, the altar is wherever you and I make it. The altar can be in your vehicle riding to work on Monday morning. The altar could be in the church on Sunday morning. That is a process as well. But I want to tell you the altar is wherever we make it. It's a place where you and 
Jesus come together to commune together and you pour out your heart to Him and seek repentance. When you come to Him in humility. And I wonder how often in today's world do Christian people really seek repentance anymore. We're living in a world where everything goes. I mean, let's face it, everything we're taught is to be accepted. And it's even infiltrated the church, and I wonder how often we ask God for repentance for our daily activities. How about the days that our attitude gets off? Do you go home and seek God and seek Him for repentance for that? Do I, and, and I'm checking myself here, because I'm not so sure I spend enough time in front of the altar a place where God's able to alter me. The altar is a place where people are truly transformed. You can come into a church, have a good service, and leave excited. But if excited changed us, oh, listen to me, we've got more excitable churches in America today than we ever had in the history of mankind. We've got mega churches and small churches and mid-sized churches that we've made the best programs. We've got the best worship leaders. We've got, we've got everything that money can buy, and they're exciting places to go, but yet sin still runs rampant in the church. And I want to tell you, excitement won't change us, but an encounter with the Holy God at the feet of Jesus will. God is looking for us to experience change, transformation that only comes when we're altered at the altar. Where we take broken things, the altar was built out of broken materials, stones and Dead sticks. And I want to tell you, when you go to the Lord, when you go to Him at the altar, if you would begin to pick up the broken things of your life that, that you can't do anything else with, I want to tell you what they'll do. They'll build a good altar. When you begin to pick up all the pieces that lay around you that you try to make sense of on day to day. I want to tell you, God is looking for the church to pick up the broken things, the dead things, the things that don't seem useful anymore and just build an altar and say, God, here you go. I, I give these to you because I can't do anything with them. And when you do that, the dead and the broken places in your life actually become a place of worship. They become Come a place where you're able to encounter God in a greater way. You begin to be altered. You can either build an altar or you can drag them around with you for the rest of your life. The altar, the price has already been paid for your renewal. All you have to do is go to Him, pour out yourself, and say, God, I need to be at the altar. I need you to alter me. And so we find Elijah back in our text. And he finds that the altar is torn down. And I want to give you several things this morning. The absence of the altar in your life, the absence of an experience and an encounter with God, there are three things that will always happen in your life. 
And let me say very clearly that it it doesn't matter who your pastor is or where you go to church. There's not a service good enough or a preaching good enough anywhere to give you an altar experience. That is a one-on-one encounter with you and the Holy God. And when we begin to tear down the altars and we begin to forget about things that are really important, and we just begin to do our own thing, there are three things or three issues that you will always have in your life. The first one is there was be always be confusion. Verse 21 of that text, if you can put that back up, Steve, of 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, they were confused. They had a divided allegiance. Elijah said, how long will you falter between two opinions. In other words, they had two different opinions on the matter. They liked being called part of the church, but they sure did like doing the things that Baal allowed them to do. I want to tell you something. When you begin to slip away from the roots of who you are as a Christian, because the roots of who you are were all based on the altar experience, when Jesus was sacrificed on the altar for your salvation, when he was crucified and he rose again, the root of who you are. Circles the altar. But you see, when the altar's tore down, you'll begin to falter between two opinions. I want to tell you something this morning. There is no way if you go before the altar of the Lord on a daily basis and begin to take every dead thing that is around you. How many of you know that Sometimes you have things that attach themselves to you that have no life in them and they just become baggage in your life. And when you don't prune those things off, all of a sudden you'll begin to be altered in the way you think. It's impossible in this world if you're a child of the living God and you go to the God's altar daily in worship to him, there's no way you can get off in your theology. There's no way that you can believe that it's okay if you're a man to marry a man or it's okay if you're a woman to to marry a woman. There's no way that you can think that it's okay to just carouse and do whatever you think may be okay because when you go before the altar of the Lord, Oh, y'all like it when I talk about those bad things. How about when, when you just got a bad attitude? How about when you talk about your pastor? I'm having a little fun. But understand what I'm saying. If you go before the altar every day, you can't think that way. Because God won't allow it. The Bible says that he is all truth. And when you spend your time worshiping and sacrificing before the God of all truth, the Bible says that he will direct my path. He he directs my thoughts. He constructs who I am. He is a holy God. And the Bible says if I serve him with my whole heart, that he will guide and direct me. There will be confusion. You'll have a divided allegiance between whom you should serve. We've got people in the church today that seem to serve the Lord on Sunday, but they live like the devil throughout the week. It's because there's a lack of an altar experience 
in their life. They have a divided allegiance. Matthew 6, 24 says, no man can serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other. Oh, come on. That's pretty strong words. That if you love the world, really you hate God. You're just living under the false assumption that you're okay. I know this is heavy this morning, but listen. If we don't talk about heavy issues in the church, we can all get off. There will always be confusion when there's a lack of an altar. There will always be compromise. Put that verse back up, Steve. There will always be compromise. He says this, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal follow him, Elijah's saying, don't compromise anymore. Make up your mind which side you will be on. And I want to tell you, when the altars begin to be torn down in your life, in the life of our church, there will always be compromise. We begin to accept and do things that are not pleasing to God. A great example of this is Noah. One of the greatest men of God that ever lived. I want you to think about this. Noah was the only righteous man of his day. The Bible doesn't even say his children were righteous, I don't believe. But they were saved because of God spared them because of who he was. Now obviously they probably had his uh, spiritual genetic makeup. But the Bible says there was no man like him. And God saved him. And in Genesis chapter 8, Noah comes out of the ark. You know what the first thing he did was? He built an altar. But in Genesis chapter 9, you see the altar is meant to be a continuing experience. Because you come in here on Sunday and God does something special in you, that should be just lighting a fire that's to be continued in your everyday walk. The reason some of you or some of us get so spiritually dry is because we're dependent on the church to keep the fire of God lit in our life. When the church is just meant to help fan that flame, the fire of God stays lit because you begin to humble yourself down daily before a holy God. And the compromise comes in Genesis chapter 9, Noah builds a vineyard. He started off building altars, but then he builds a vineyard. And if you look in just a couple verses later, the Bible says that he got drunk. He got drunk and he got naked. What the scripture says. You better watch how you find yourself when you quit building altars. Noah built an altar. Things got to going well. You see, what we do in the church so oftentimes, things will be going good, and we forget that we got there because God did something in us. Because we had an authentic encounter with him, all of a sudden the kids are doing better. The bank account looks better. Oh, the church is even maybe doing good, and we get excited and we forget that we've still got to spend a daily time in an encounter with the Holy God because if not, we'll become, to get, we'll become infatuated by the things of the world. We'll become infatuated by the vineyards or the things that the world has to offer and we begin to accept them instead of the altar and we get off base. Confusion and compromise will always come 
What we need today, we need some men not to compromise the altar anymore. We need men to rise up and recognize that this is not a day for compromise, that the most important thing in the life of your child is coming into the house of God. I, I just gotta, I gotta go here. You know, I, 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 I love sports. I played sports. But I want to tell you what, your child has less than a half, a, uh, less than a .02% chance of ever becoming a professional athlete. And we've got parents that will sacrifice everything about a child instead of bringing them into the house of the God just so they can become an athlete. If you love sports in here this morning, I'm not beating up on you. I'm just saying, parents, I hope they become, I hope they play for the Texas Rangers and tie that life fellowship, but it's not worth sacrificing their soul. Not against sports or anything fun, but we need some men to rise up and recognize that the day we live in, there is nothing more important than having your kids in the house of God. Where they can have a baseball or softball. Look, girls softball now. It, I believe girls softball is more popular than boys baseball. We've got parents that will get a second mortgage on, oh my God, hear me. They won't tithe, but they'll get a second mortgage on their home so they can travel the country playing travel ball. And at the end of the year, the team split up because all the parents want it their own way and everybody's lost their money and everybody's mad and now they got a debt on their home. I know people that have done that. And you do too. That's why you're laughing. And we will sacrifice going to God's house so we can be enticed by the attractions of the world. And I'm going to leave the hunting and the fishing alone today because I want to be able to keep my job when I leave. One thing at a time. So kids, don't worry, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get some of your, your daddies next week or something. We've got to recognize we can't compromise. Man, I want to tell you today, if you, want, if you want your kids to be saved and if you want God to bring breakthrough and restoration back into your home, recognize that it's going to start with you leading your child in an altar experience. You may take them to the ball field, but don't bypass the altar. Don't bypass an opportunity to get down on your hands and knees in the floor and say, son, I want you to realize there's a holy God that wants to have an encounter with you. It's not the youth pastor's job. It's your job to make sure that your kids know God wants to encounter them he wants to encounter them there will be confusion there will be compromise and there will always be chaos now think about Exodus chapter 32 the Israelites build the golden calf they, I want you to think about this people. God had brought them out of bondage. God had done so much in them and through them. I mean, He had provided for them. He had all of this stuff. They go just a month or so without an altar experience. And the Bible says they're going crazy in the camp. And the Bible says that they, they, it was chaos. It was chaos in the camp. I want to tell you, if, you want, if your life is in chaos today, you may need to ask yourself, how long has it been since I really had an altar experience with a mighty God? 
How long has it been since I had an altar experience? The people actually, verses 22 through 24, put that back up, Steve. The people had the audacity. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone and left the prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse, 24. Then you call on the name of the Lord God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Listen, so all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Elijah said, he's talking to church people. He said, now do you want me to do this? Should we call on Baal, and should we call on Yahweh, and whichever one answers, let him be God. The people said, yeah, that sounds good. They actually are wanting God to prove himself. This is the same God that opened up the Red Sea and led them out of Egypt. This is the same God that provided for them in the desert. Church, I want to tell you even though God, it doesn't matter what he did in 2005 or 2010 or 2015. If you don't keep yourself in front of the altar of the Holy Lord, I want to tell you, you can get off base. You forget about what's happened in the past and all of a sudden you'll begin wanting God to prove himself to make sure he's still on the throne. John, John the Baptist's disciples went to Jesus. John the Baptist was in prison. Listen, I know sometimes it gets rough. Sometimes it gets hard to keep on pushing in this walk that we're in. John the Baptist is in prison. The disciples go to Jesus and say, Jesus, we got something. We got a message from John. He wants to know, are you still the one? Or should we look for another? This is John, y'all. This is John that baptized Jesus. If he had a tough day like that, I know you can have one. He's saying, listen, I want to know, is my cousin Jesus, is he the one, or do we need to look for another? I love the Lord's response. He looks back at the disciples, and he says, just tell John this. He said, the blind still receive sight. Tell John that the lame still walk. Church, I want to tell you today, if we'll just get back to the altar, God's in the business of still opening blind eyes. He's still in the business of letting the lame walk. We serve a God that's on the throne. There'll always be confusion, compromise, and chaos. But when the altars are rebuilt, when repentance and recognition of who God really is takes place, Something begins to change. The Bible says that they begin to praise the Lord in prostration. In other words, they humble themselves and they begin to cry out, the Lord, he is God. After the fire fell. You see, the fire, we won't, oh, listen to me, we want the fire to fall. We just say, God, we want the fire to fall. You can't skip the altar and expect the fire to fall. When God's people humble themselves and get on their face before God and say, God, we want to walk a life that's right before you. God, we bring this stuff to you that's in our life and we want to get rid of it that's when the fire can fall and after the fire falls all of a sudden people's lives begin to be changed they begin to cry out the Lord he is God can I tell you there's somebody around you in your life that's just waiting for you to get back to the altar so they can see the fire of God fall upon you and somebody in your office somebody in your family will begin to cry out, ho, ho, the Lord, he is God. People told me that he was dead. People told me.
me that he was a myth. But oh, he's still on the throne. He's still ruling and reigning over the saints. They praise God in prostration. You see, when you have a real altar experience, your values, your attitude, your lifestyle, and your relationships will change. You see, if you have a real altar experience, you can't feel comfortable down at Irma's shooting pool every Friday night. And I know some of you are trying to figure out where Irma's is. It's on Westover Drive in Danville, Virginia. But you can't feel comfortable in that environment when God does a change in you unless you go in there for an outreach. I'm not going to even go there. We even got people say, well, I'm just going to try to minister. I had a lady tell me one time. I had a lady tell me one time. After I started pastoring, she said, Pastor, I want to tell you something the Lord told me. I said, Sister, what is it? I, well, I'm going to a company cookout this weekend. I said, yes, ma'am. It's 4th of July. The Lord told me that I should buy me a bottle of wine and I should drink that bottle of wine with those employees so I can be a proper witness to them. I'm dead serious. This lady told me that. I hadn't been pastoring for about six months. I was thinking, for me, man, I done gotten the wrong business here. She said, Pastor, I, the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me this is what I need to do so I can be a proper witness. I want to tell you, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, I can promise you he's not going to tell you that. And if you think he has, come talk to me. I won't prepare for it then, but I am now. Change really takes place when we really get before the altar of the Lord. How many of you can remember an altar experience with God where something really changed? I mean, I'm talking about even after your initial salvation, I mean, you just had an encounter with God where something changed. Recognition, praise takes place. Then God's people begin to put to death everything that exalts itself over the name of Jesus. If you read on in the scripture, and I'm not going to take the time this morning, the Bible says they took 850 prophets and they slaughtered them. Anything that gave them any remembrance of how they were going astray, they put it to death with the sword. And I want to tell you this morning, when you get in front of the altar of the Lord, all of a sudden, the things in your life that have been causing you chaos, causing you compromise, causing you confusion, you'll begin to put every single thing to death because when you encounter God in that way you can't stay the same anymore all of a sudden it becomes like fire shut up in your bones and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you in a greater way God's people begin to put to death everything that exalts itself and you're excited about changing one true sign that you've had an altar experience is you're excited about changing. You're not upset because you're not going to Irma's on Friday night. But you're excited about it. When God does something in it, it makes it exciting to serve Him. Colossians 3.5 says, Therefore put to death what belongs to your worldly nature. 
put it to death. And the last thing I want to talk about this morning. Spiritual droughts rapidly come to a close when we have a real rebuilding of an altar experience. And I tell you that a spiritual drought, let's be honest this morning, how many of you have ever really experienced just a spiritual drought in your life? I mean, you thought, I mean, I'm, see, we don't ever share that stuff. And I can guarantee you the past, I, I talk to other pastors, don't know pastor share that right there. But when you're going through a spiritual drought, it's one of the, it's one of the toughest times in your life. Israel had been in a severe drought because they had been serving other things. They had been sacrificing to everything else other than the God, Jehovah. And all of a sudden, the end of this text says, now it happened that in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. The country was drying up. The church people had dried up. Everybody was doing their own thing. But just because Elijah rebuilt the altar, just because he made it important that we're going to rebuild the altar. We're going to take everything dead, everything broken, everything we've got wrong. We're going to rebuild the altar. And all of a sudden, God came down and answered by fire. And then all of, I thought about something about fire and rain. It has nothing, I, I don't see anything in the Bible about this, just a natural statistic. Is if you've ever seen a place that's been burnt by wildfire, about three months down the road, what does it look like? There is a green freshness that begins to come up across the landscape. And then all of a sudden, if you can get a rain on that, all of a sudden, vegetation just begins to grow uncontrollably. And I want to tell you what God's looking for in the life of his people. He's looking for you to rebuild the altar so you can have a fire burning experience to where God steps in and burns up everything that's useless in your life. And all of a sudden, he'll allow the rain of the Holy Spirit to come and there's going to be, even though there's been a season of spiritual drought, buckle your seatbelt, honey, because there's about to be a season of growth come into your life like you've never experienced before. God is looking for you to have an altar experience. To have an altar experience. Now, what happened in the meantime that the clouds grew heavy and black. And Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I want to tell you something. God's looking to rain in your life. God's looking to let the power of God fall in your life. Eric, if your team would come back, and I don't know what you're going to play, but I want something upbeat. Listen, we're not living in a day anymore where you have the opportunity to play church. You can't survive off of what your grandma did 
Your granddaddy did. Your aunt and uncle did. We are living in a day that you better rebuild. It is getting worse. We've had two shootings this weekend. We've had, we had a guy from this area drove to El Paso and killed 20 people in a Walmart. He could have just as easily stopped by precinct right up here. What does your altar experience look like in your life? Do you spend a daily time of repentance before the Lord? Because I know if nothing else, you got a messed up attitude because mine gets messed up a lot of times. Do you take that before the altar and say, God, I know you can't do anything with this dead, broken mess, but God, I, I lay it on the altar. God, I repent. God, I want my heart pure before you. Because I can tell you, I don't care if it's Life Fellowship, First Baptist of Hearst, Gateway, the Potter's House, or whatever other churches are in the area, if God's people don't have an authentic encounter at the feet of Jesus, if they don't have an authentic encounter at the altar of a mighty God, we will never see transformation. And without transformation of the heart, we will never see the fire of God fall. And if we never see the fire of God fall, the reign of the Holy Spirit is never going to fill this house and we're never going to grow spiritually. But I'm believing today that God's speaking to somebody and you're ready to have an encounter with God. I'm talking about... You're ready to have an encounter with the Holy God. This is what I want to do this morning. You say, Pastor, whatever you want to do, I don't want to be involved. That's fine. Just sit right there where you are like a knot on a log. I don't care. I wonder where that saying came from. Anyway, go moving on. I mean, how many people really want to have an encounter? With God again. So, some of you old timers in here this morning, I hope, I, and I say that with the utmost respect. Some of you old timers that have experienced some old timey Pentecostal moves of the Holy Spirit. How, how bad is your desire to have that again? It's going to come from the altar. Some of you young people that have heard the stories about what God used to do. You can have it, but I want to tell you, regardless of what the word, every young person in here this morning, hear me, you can't have it any other way but going by the altar first. It don't happen because you come to this church. It doesn't happen because Dalton and London are your youth leaders or your mom and dad read their Bible every day. If you want an encounter with the Holy God, it's going to come because you fall prostrate before an altar and say, God, I've got a lot of used up, burned up, useless things in my life. But today, today, God, I want something to change. I want real transformation in my life. And I want people today that are serious about having an encounter with God. Because I got, I got news for you. It ain't a soul in this house this morning. You don't have something you need to deal with. 
Because well, how do you know that, Pastor? Because you ain't got a glorified body. And if you ain't got a glorified body, there's some part of you that's a little bit of a mess. And I'm believing that today, you know what I want as pastor of this church? I want to see breakthrough in your life. I, I, I've been thinking the last 12 weeks, got to, I, was working, I was working on this sermon this week. God, how do we go to the next step? How do we go? The, this is all we've got to do. We just got to have a personal altar experience. Well, God will see to it that we get to the next level. God will see to it that we go to the next level. There may be people in here this morning, you've never been saved. You've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Can I tell you something? Today is your day. Today is your day. All you have to do is say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I recognize that you died and you rose again just for me. And I invite you to come into my life. God, I lay myself on that altar today. God, burn up everything that's not worthy of you. And guess what? You can leave here today knowing that you're saved. But this is what I want to do. And listen, if you need to leave, that's fine. We don't have a Sunday night service, though. What? Let's, can we just give God, uh, let's just give God whatever He wants today. This is what I want to do. If you're serious today about having an encounter with God, it doesn't mean that you've got some dire sin in your life but if you're serious about rebuilding the altar and you want an encounter with God I want us to make a loop around this building we've done it once before and I want you to come through right here and I'm going to pray for people right in this area here but I want to make a line all the way around and I, I don't want you to do it unless you're serious about having an encounter with God listen this is where the rubber meets the road folks are you wanting to have an encounter with God or not? If some of our elderly folks that may not be able to stand in that line, if somebody could help some of them to just to the front row and let them sit down, we will pray for them there. But everybody in this place today, I want you to, I want you to go ahead and get up out of your seat if you're interested in having an encounter with God. Steph and I are going to pray for you. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphearst.org. Thank you, and God bless.